0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John.
1: Glory to you, Lord Christ.
0: Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that, you may, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I have appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise
1: to you, Lord Christ. Before I begin, I'd like to say Happy Mother's Day to those of you who are moms. Uh, None of us could be here without a mom and for that we are grateful. I'm thankful for my mom and for all the women who have loved me and supported me just like a mother would. And in honor of my mom, I would like to open with a prayer from her father that he would pray before his sermons. Help us, Lord, to be masters of ourselves, that we may become servants of others. Take our lips and speak through them, our minds and think through them, and take our hearts and set them on
0: fire. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So how
1: do you say goodbye? And I don't mean the actual word. So I don't mean aloha or sayonara or peace out, homie. What, what I should have said, I guess, is more of how do you do goodbyes? We are in a window right now of time, uh, the spring, when our young adults are graduating from high schools and colleges and uh, further degrees. We send them a congratulatory card and hopefully with some money in it. Uh, This is our way of helping them, sending them on their way. But how do we do goodbyes? In seminary, I have quite a few friends, but my four closest friends are from Kenya, Sri Lanka, Sudan, and Liberia. And three of them are graduating and going back to their countries of origin. When my wife and I had them over last month, at the end of the month, to celebrate our 16th uh, wedding anniversary, one of them proposed that we should have uh, a Last Supper. Um, I was so touched. My friends are so intentional in what they do, and they imitate Christ so well, and it's just inspiration, inspiring. So I asked what they would like to have for dinner because I wanted to make a special dinner as our last supper. And my friend from Kenya, he goes, beans and rice would be very nice, yeah? The meal was so insignificant. Uh, My friends, the food was not what they were after. They wanted time together. That was of the utmost importance. Today's gospel comes to us just after a meal. A last supper, in fact. Um, this is no coincidence. John uses the dinner in a very specific way. The Last Supper and the events that surround it, they take place and they take up five chapters in the middle of the book. These five chapters are known as the farewell discourse or as Jesus's private ministry. The, everything that we hear about before the supper Was the ministry that Jesus did uh, proving, not proving, but showing who he was, um, presenting miracles and presenting himself to the public. After the dinner, he goes on to trial. He dies. And then his resurrection. But right now, we're in the middle. We're in... The time for the supper, where after the foot washing, uh, before his final prayer, uh, we're in this goodbye that Jesus is in the middle of with his disciples. Um, Unlike Jesus, he who happens to know what everything uh, about everything, he knows what's coming. So, with that in mind, Jesus has this meal with his disciples, and he tells them the things he wants them to remember. And he doesn't do this uh, to use guilt. He He doesn't use inflammatory rhetoric. Instead, I picture a room full of laughter and fellowship. And then Jesus takes a few minutes, takes some time to share the things that he wants to share with his disciples. And this is his way of saying goodbye. He commands his followers to love one another. I know this seems kind of cheesy to say, uh, love one another, but it is the absolute root of this gospel message. This love is more than just treat people the way you want to be treated. This love is, is en- uh, this, this love, love one another, according to Jesus, is the standard for Christ followers. Loving one another It's what Jesus tells his disciples to do when he's saying goodbye. Who are his disciples? (laughs) Who is Jesus talking to? So one of the things that's beautiful about the book of John is that there's no list. There's not a registry of who's at this dinner. This Last Supper is, is with Jesus and his disciples. We have a few named, but there's no official registry. So it could be just the 12. Or could be many, and just maybe, just maybe, as we read it, we are supposed to be disciples in that upper room with Jesus, receiving the command to love one another. And we are given this command so that we can have complete joy, so that we can find out how to abide in love, so that we can be friends with God and so that we can be fruitful. We heard last week about the branches attached to the vine. Now Jesus restates that. And his command is that the fruit is love, and the fruit is loving one another. Jesus both commands and invites his disciples to live in such a way that our joy, friendship, and fruit are all based in love for one another. Jesus even sets the standard for loving one another with his most explicit definition of love in in the entire gospel by telling them there is a greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down their life for their friends. As I mentioned before, Jesus does not do this to elicit guilt. He doesn't say, I'm about to go die for you and your sins so you had better um act right and earn it no instead he's defining for his disciples us that what he is about to do is out of love for us and that we should love one another in the same way (laughs) now comes the question what is laying down our lives is it physically dying for someone else Maybe. But here in America, dying for someone else does not present itself very often. This is a good thing, and I personally love living in a world uh, in the world of safety that we've created. But I wonder, what does laying down one's life for our friends look like? I propose that laying down one's life most of the time, is time what i mean is we each receive 24 hours a day when we wake up these minutes these hours they're precious and we have to decide how we're going to divvy them up we have to decide what time uh what to to do with our time how are we going to dedicate our time and what we are willing to lay our life down for When we look at our calendars, we see what we spend our time on. Jesus commands us to love one another, lay down our lives for one another. Again, he does not say this for guilt. He does not say this to make us feel bad for not spending enough time with those that we claim to love. He says this so that we can abide in love, so that our joy can be full. I frequently lay down my life for homework, for papers, for projects, for assigned readings. And these are all good things. But sometimes it's important that I lay down my life, that I give up chunks of my time for my friends who need my time. When I say yes to spending time with friends and I love them, by being present with them. I am laying down my life for them. Laying down our lives for our friends in order to love them takes time. At a conference I went to about 10 years ago, I heard a speaker encourage us to pick eight, pick your eight. He said there's room enough around a hospital bed for eight people. So he said um, to picture yourself at a ho- in a hospital bed about to die. And he said, who are, your eight, who are the eight people you would like around you and around that bed? And then he said, are you living today in a way that would make them want to be there? I went away from that conference pondering this on the seven-hour drive home. And I picked my eight, and I went to them, and I told them. And then I tried to live my life loving them and making time for them, laying down my life for them. Um, I was not trying to earn their love, but to love them in a way that would invite them to want to be with me if something happened. Sadly, I failed one of them. I failed him badly, so badly that he wrote me a letter to cut me out of his life. I still don't know what I did. I don't know exactly how I failed him. I do know that I did not lay down my life for him in the way that made him feel loved. I know that I didn't make the time for him that I needed to have made for him. I know that I hurt him. I know I still love him. And I know that I still want him to be one of my eight. But I cannot make him be one of my eight. I tell you this because loving others is hard. Laying down our lives for others is hard. This commandment Jesus gives his disciples, us, is not an easy task of smiling and waving. This task of loving one another with love that sets time aside to have meals together, to fellowship together, to worship together, Jesus does not command us to say please and thank you. Jesus commands us to love one another. And to do that so that our joy can be complete. So that we can abide in his love. So that we can be called friends of God. Because loving his disciples is loving him.
0: Amen.